We are in a season called Advent, which, as you may have remembered from last week, means coming. And, and we celebrate the, and name and give thanks for the coming of Jesus on earth in the flesh. And we also anticipate the second coming, when, when Jesus' kingdom is made known on earth as it is in heaven fully. And so Advent is a season of waiting, of expectant waiting, of expectant hope. And in this Advent, the second Sunday of Advent, we have uh, two scriptures, an Old and New Testament, both from the lectionary. The Old Testament comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, and the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd, and he will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother's sheep. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. And our New Testament scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our son Leo is now 22 months old and he is on the move. Some of you have seen him running up and down these hallways or, or outside the social room here in the narthex or, or in the fellowship hall area with the other children at Wednesday night supper. A few days ago in our house he was on one of these runs and I can see it before it even happens. He's racing along the hardwood floor area towards an area where we have a rug. 
It's a thin rug. It's hardly an obstacle, but it is a change in the terrain, a slight change in elevation. And sure enough, his little feet are scampering right along that wooden surface, and they hit that little bit of uneven surface. Boom. And that whole little body goes tumbling over. And since I have become a father, I find that I look at the ground a lot more these days. In large part because I want to be aware of where there are raised sections of the floor, raised sections of carpet. Where there are stairs, where there are significant drop-offs, where there are things that are steep. Basically anywhere, small, big, large, where there's a change in terrain. Because I know the unevenness presents a problem. And of course it's not just him, I... Somewhat embarrassed to admit the amount of times I have walked on these sidewalks in the fan since moving here. And if there's that little unevenness from the older sidewalks, and there's a little trip, there's a little stumble. Twice on Strawberry Street, I have fallen flat, full body, down on the sidewalk. And of course, I know this goes for, in many ways, all of us, as we get older or we attend to aging parents, we find this need to, to pay attention just a little more to ground and where there's a little bit of uneven terrain or a rolling driveway. Because we know that even a little bit of unevenness can do some real damage. Uneven terrain is how Isaiah And chapter 40 describes the reality of God's people as they are in exile in Babylon. Valleys, mountains, uneven land, rough ground, all of these are descriptors used in verse 4 of our reading. All of them are ways of speaking about a people who've been walking through a pretty difficult terrain. Lots of stuff on which one can trip, stumble, fall, find themselves entirely sucked into an abyss or just run up against an impossibility. Now, the text here does not specify which valleys and mountains and uneven terrain and and rough land Isaiah has in mind. But other portions of the Bible tell us that the people in exile most definitely knew the deep valley of grief and anger while in exile. By the rivers of Babylon we wept, Psalm 137. We know that the people of God experienced the mountain of their own sinful disobedience and the pride that put them in this exilic situation. They know within themselves and around themselves a sin that is is so large and so great that they can't just move it, forget about it, get rid of its consequences. It's just there. And they feel the weight in exile. We know they've experienced that uneven train as, as people living a long way from home, as second-class citizens under Babylonian rule. And even though at times they had it good and other times not so well, they, they knew the slights, they knew the heavier tax burden, the, the fewer rights, the uneven things that often happen living under another's rule. And so to a people that for all kinds of different reasons live in this kind of terrain and have reason for stumbling, a proclamation issues forth. Comfort. Comfort, my people. A word of forgiveness is is offered, and and then we continue, and, and we hear, every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, the uneven ground shall become level, the rough places plain. God is on the way, and all of that deeply uneven terrain, and even slightly uneven terrain, all the terrain shall be brought to a level place. 
The promise then is that a spacious kind of opening will be made where where walking and running are done freely and without fear of stumbling or tumbling or crashing. God declares, the ground shall become level and the body can move freely. Isaiah 40 then most definitely speaks to us. Because we gather this day and we are a people who most definitely know valleys. Some of us, we know what it is to walk our days in the valley of grief, the valley of loss, the grief of the diagnosis, the walls of anxiety that seem to build around us, the darkness of the addiction within or the very real crisis without We know even as as some joyfully celebrate in this season, there is expected yet another massive wave of of famine in Sudan this coming year. Goodness, we know that just two miles apart are are children in Richmond who who are raised for whom a a drive-by shooting is kind of a thing on the movies and then others who, who are being raised and told not to play outside as much because someone may be driving through again and shooting. I mean, I mean, some of the trains we can observe seem so profoundly uneven. We, we don't even know where to start. And of course, we as people, we, we, we definitely know mountains. We know in our own lives, our own situations, situations that seem impenetrable, absolutely impossible. We know, some of us, how our past weighs on us, and that can't just be forgotten. Or we know how their past and the ways that they have hurt us place a huge barrier in the relationship. We know people who just will not change. They are set on their ways. It's destructive, but you know what? They have the power, the position, the money. That They're not moving. And then we know, you know that uneven train that doesn't appear as drastic as some of the deep valleys and the high mountains, but, but experience bears out that any measure of uneven terrain can cause quite a stumble. And so we know and we've seen slights of prejudice. We know and we see what it is for, for one people or one person to be recognized but another to be forgotten. We know how it is that when a, a certain skin color or job can quickly turn the internal compass. We know and we see how sometimes certain areas or certain schools get the attention, get the funds, and other ones you just fall off the radar. We know when we see when the system works for certain people, or at least it could be greased and a way can be found, and, and then for another group of people, the system is a nightmare. It is one stumble and tumble. It's uneven. We know what it looks like when a society or even a church walks with something of a lip because the truth is any measure of uneven terrain is something that affects all for the worse. The assurance of Isaiah 40 is that the ground shall be made level. Every valley raised, every mountain low, made low. And God will do this. And one day, many years after Isaiah's prophecy, God shows up in a unique way in the belly of a poor woman. And do you remember what what she sings when she is Pregnant with God. We know it as the Magnifica. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's how Mary begins. 
And then do you remember some of the things she sings after that? God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The proud mountains of power and wealth are brought low. The lowly, the hungry, are raised and filled. Mary sings about a God arriving who is faithful to level the terrain, to break down the unjust, the broken, to raise up the hurting, the needy. And then Jesus He himself arrives on the flesh in the scene. And do you remember his very first sermon? It seems directed at all kinds of valleys. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are persecuted. He declares them blessed. He begins leveling the plain by raising up these valley realities. And with this gracious anointing, recognizing them. And then, of course, one of Jesus' very first actions, as told by the Gospel of John, is is going at some mountains. Jesus walks right into the Jewish temple and turns over the table and all the, the money changers and profiteers. And, and then he, he teaches in ways that scandalize and humble the religious establishment, the strong, the powerful, the unjust. He starts leveling their way, their pride. Raising up, leveling. And then, of course, on the cross... Jesus confronts simultaneously the largest mountain and the deepest of valleys. He confronts the mountain that is human sin and evil. And he bears the entirety of that impossible train upon himself. And scripture declares he destroys that mountain's power by forgiving. Mountains crumble before love. And on that cross, Jesus also takes on the depth of death itself and bears the impossible valley of death. Three days later, when Jesus rises from the grave, he shows himself to have destroyed, have the power to destroy that mountain of sin, as well as the inevitable valley of death. In Jesus, it is to a level plane of grace that we are brought. The mountains no longer trap us or define us or hold us. Free from that, those have crumbled under forgiveness. The valley no longer threatens to swallow. That's been raised up. Rather in Jesus, what we stand on is an expansive life where our souls live and move and have their being. And there is no fear that we might stumble or fall. But in fact, we we are free in that open, wide expanse to run and walk and sprint with joy and life. The body finds its life and motion On the level terrain we know in Jesus Christ. Comfort. Comfort, my people. For your God brings you to a spacious place. A level place. And yet even as we confess that this is our truth in God. And we give thanks for the leveling and the raising up that we know at a a foundational level in Jesus. We we also say, you know, that there remains so much that, that is uneven. And even deeply and impossibly valley and mountain kind of uneven in our lives in this world. Even as we give thanks for the spacious space that we know at a foundational level that we have for all eternity. We also ache, come that long expected Jesus. That we might know on earth fully what it is in heaven. 
And Isaiah, interestingly, actually, towards the end of our scripture today, assures us, you know what? That ache, God's already here. Not the fullness of the second coming, but we read, read that, that we, as the people of God, are to proclaim forth, here is your God. Right here, right now, here is your God on the move. Verse 10 and 11. God's right hand of strength is moving and ruling. God's tender arms carrying the sheep. Justice and mercy, strength and compassion, right arm and tender embrace. Here is your God right now. See, proclaim him. Well, where precisely is the leveling God right now that we so need? I was listening to a guy named Steve Chalk. He was being interviewed earlier this week on a program. He's a Baptist minister from London, and he and his wife founded uh, this home called Oasis in 1985. It's, it's now a massive nonprofit doing incredible uh, kinds of work in, I think, 36 different areas all over the UK. But, but when it began, it was essentially a hostel for young homeless women in Peckham, South London, particularly for those who had known some sort of abuse. And it was called Oasis because someone early on said, you know, this place is like a refreshment, water of life amid a desert reality where the system just was failing. Now, the house they found that they were able to get could fit 15 people at a time. And everyone would get their own bedroom, they'd get their meals, they'd have a common room with television and books. And, and during the day, they'd learn basic life skills. They'd get an education. They'd work through trauma. There'd be worship and prayer. And early on, the London Social Services, they bring to this oasis house this 17-year-old girl who had been found chained to her bed for six months, abused and tortured in all kinds of ways, utterly emaciated, horrifying scars, and, and she would not, she could not speak. And every morning at breakfast, she would sit over on her own or she just wouldn't come. And then after six months in this atmosphere of just consistent, ordinary attentiveness, she walks into breakfast and she looks at everybody. She never looks at everybody. She had no sense of self-worth. But she looks that day and she says, good morning. And that's it. Well, that night, a bunch of the girls, they decided to throw a party for this 17-year-old because, because she spoke. They saw love began to loosen a part of her free from that dark valley, and, and they jumped on that opportunity to continue filling the valley with a little more grace. And then about six months later, the house and all who were there working were able to reach a point with the 17-year-old where, where they've got her working towards a college course. And on her first day of college, at the local college, all 14 other girls in that home, they took the day off and they rode one of those wonderful red double-decker buses a few miles over to the college. And all of them, they race out in front of the, the, the probably then 18-year-old at that point, they race out in front of her and they line up on the steps to the school and as she walks off the double-decker bus, they all clap. As she walks the steps... And she hits the level plane, and she goes through the door. Level plane, because a couple folks use the right arm of their power, their influence, their knowledge, their strength for many years 
to get this particular house set up and get the kind of training and, and love, but also because many folks then tenderly came alongside this particular woman and loved her and partied her and clapped her into being, graced her into a spacious level plane. To the question, where is this Jesus who destroys mountains and raises valleys and sets uneven terrain smooth? Where is he at work this day, right now? Look at the church. Look at the people to whom Jesus has given the same spirit that animated him when he walked this life, same spirit that raised him from the dead, right there, right through the church, is the strong right hand of God and the tender embrace of God, leveling mountains, raising up valleys unto an expanse of life. This is why Isaiah 43 has, right, those famous words. It says, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In other words, in a world of valleys and mountains and and uneven terrain, people of God, make straight a highway for our God. Make a level plain and so show forth the living God. And so every single time one of us is animated by the Holy Spirit and, and we release the grudge, we drop the pride, or we drop the bitterness, every time we choose by the power of the Holy Spirit to listen with patience, however difficult, to forgive another, however messy, however long, the mountain is crushed and a level highway opens and God can be seen. Every time the church animated by the Holy Spirit defends one who has no voice, one who is overlooked, one who cannot speak the language but has the same need, advocates for the forgotten or the despised, another smooth stretch of asphalt is laid along the valley and God can be glimpsed. Every time the church is animated by the Holy Spirit and sits with another in her addiction, sits with another in his grief, prays with another in her ache, encourages another amidst his despondency. Every time the church loves in the valley, the valley fills and something of the highway extends and God can be glimpsed. Every time, oppositely, differently, the powerful and unjust lobbies are confronted with truth. Every time governments of this world and even this nation are confronted and challenged with the truths of Jesus. Every time larger than life leaders and figures are called to account by the truth and way of Jesus. Every time mountains of power are resisted in the name of Jesus and the way of Jesus, track is laid down. And something of God is made visible. And look, we know that we ourselves cannot raise all these valleys and break all these mountains. In fact, most days we're like that, the flowers of the field. We, we put forth something, but, but then we fade. We're weak. We're frail. A few words of forgiveness, a, a letter of encouragement, some money, some advocacy, some prayer. It, goodness, it, it's so small next to how big the valleys are and the mountains are and even some of the consistently uneven terrain. But our call is not to bring forth the full plane of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Our call is to go in the name of the one who does that, in the power of the one who does that, and and to just 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, offer glimpses, knowing that whatever we done, whatever we do is done in the name of the Lord and the word of the Lord, Isaiah 40 says, endures forever. Whatever track we lay down in his name, in his spirit, that will not fade or spoil. That will extend into all eternity. One day that will be, in fact, the reality of all of earth. And so if, as parents to young children children to aging parents or goodness as people generally who walk the sidewalks if we find ourselves a little more attentive to the ground I consider that a good thing it means we are attentive to how much damage and pain is done on any measure of uneven terrain it means we're attentive to the space where God calls us. I wonder what our road work is for such a time as this. What the uneven and brokenness is for which Jesus will not let our hearts stop aching. May the power of the Spirit who has raised you to life herald through your road work in the coming days that God is come and God is here. Thanks be to God. Amen.